0: Welcome to Go Into All the World. Now here's your host, Gary Well, Listen, thank you so much for joining with me today. Uh, The first step today, I want to review the normal format for each program. Uh, I think a lot of people listening today are new, and basically there's three components. Number one is a teaching on the Christian life or how to walk the walk. Number two is doctrine, so as we go into all the world, we have something to say, and we are able to both explain and defend the faith, And number three, the third part are testimonies or stories telling how the Holy Spirit worked through me and others, okay, and how we can touch lives or how we did touch lives. Again, the stories in these testimonies are meant to encourage you. And how does this sharing your faith in the real world, as I call it, or the everyday world, how how does it play out? What does it look like? What does it feel like? You know, before I started the show, I actually just came from 7-Eleven and I had a chance to give someone their business card about the program. They were asking me, that somehow we got talking about it, and it was great. And we shared a little bit, and she said, I was brought up in a Lutheran church, and I just encouraged her a little bit, and then mentioned, is there anything I can pray about? So again, I'm just off at 7-Eleven to get a drink, and then come over here to tape the show, and already I've, I've had another experience that I can add, so to speak. Well, the last couple, if you want to call it the last programs, I've been focusing on the epistles. The epistles, in other words, for them are the letters, okay, or books, if you would. And I shared something in a previous program, a couple how to's on reading and studying the epistles. A couple takeaways I just want to mention today are one, read the epistles in context. Try to read the whole context of a story rather than pull out this little scripture or that scripture because a lot of times when we pick out scriptures we can come up with bad doctrine or kind of get wacky doctrine and we want to see them in context. Next thing. Second point about either reading or studying these is find out who was it written to, and maybe if you want to call it why or for what purpose. I want to give you a quick example. Example is First and Second Corinthians. Well, Paul wrote the church at Corinth, okay, and he wrote them a couple different times. These two, and it seemed like he'd written before Number One or First Corinthians One. He was kind of following up, but anyways. He wrote these to kind of instruct them on certain things we call probably immoral or certain immoralities. And they had a few other issues that kind of plagued the church. Then he wanted to counsel them on various subjects, things like the gifts and, of course, the Lord's Supper. And I won't go through all of it today, but you get the basic idea. And by the way, when I mention First and Second Corinthians, I always encourage people listening that you may have thought, you're a believer and you're thinking, I've done some dumb stuff or I've strayed or... God might throw me over, or you know, He'll never work with me again, or I did this, or I did that. Well, I encourage you to read First and Second Corinthians, because you'll see there that was a church that was mega goofed up, mega, if you want to call it off the wall, probably backslid, and maybe this doing this wrong, that wrong. But you know what? God, through Paul, didn't throw First and Second Corinthians off off the bus, so to speak, or under the bus. He kept working with them, and he, and what Paul did, is, of course, he wrote some instructions on how to kind of. If you want to call it uh, address some of these problems they have or correct them. So again, we've done some dumb things in our life, but we don't we know that we, a, we can't lose our salvation, and B, God's not gonna throw us under the bus. He's not interested in that. He wants you, you, you have the light. Okay, you have the light of the world inside of you. He wants you to share that light. So he's not going to put you off to the side where well, you've been bad or you've done this or whatever. So again, if you ever think you've been that, go read about the Corinthians and see what they did. They messed up big time. But again, instead of you know, throwing them under the bus, Paul and it got through Paul because kind of corrected them. Well, before I go on into Romans 5, I want to share a couple things that I learned from Romans 1 to give you some of an idea of what I gleaned from studying epistles and context and kind of what I understood, okay, again, just from Romans 1. All right, so let's look at this. This will kind of help set the stage for Romans 5. Well, here's the first point. First point is every person knows God exists because God has revealed this to every person, so there's no excuse. This is found in verses 18 through 20 of Romans 1. Part 2 though we we get upset, and and to a certain degree, rightly about things like LGBTQ and gender identity. In reality, in my mind, what I understood is we should temper that because guess what's happened? How did they get there? God turned them over to their uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. In other words, God predicted these things would happen if people don't want to follow Him, He said, I'm going to turn them over. I'm not going to strive with man forever. So we see, oh, man, the world's gone bonkers. Things are crazy. Why do these people do these things? Well, of course, we want to resist evil. We want to resist movements, kind of force things on society or force things on youth and give them wrong instruction. Oh, yeah, God created you that way. That kind of junk. But we want to keep that in balance and say, you know what? I'm upset with the world, but guess what? I'm not part of the world, and if I read Romans, it tells me this is exactly what's going to happen. So we're just seeing play out exactly what the Bible says was going to happen. So rather than focus on that, if you want to call it LGBTQ or all this issue and get upset and worry and this, oh, if we only had a perfect, if you want to call it society or perfect, uh, maybe a law or something like that. No, we want to focus on God, okay, and say, hey, God said this was going to happen. Now it's happening. What can I do in this situation to try to pull people out of the mess that they're in, try to pull people out of, if you want to call it bad doctrine or something like that why? This is the point three. Why did God do this? Why did he turn them over to the uncleanness? Okay. He says, well, those without him changed the truth of God. Okay. Into a lie. They made God into an image. Okay. Like a corruptible man. Then they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. So that's why God turned them over. They didn't want him. So he turned them over to something else. And again, we see that kind of played out part D or part four in this Romans, if you want to call it Romans 1, like mini-study. In verses 26 to 28, we learn that God gave them up to their vile affections. God gave them up so a woman changed the natural use into something that's unnatural, i.e. lesbianism. And men did the same. They kind of burned in lust one towards another or one towards another man. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Why they did not want to retain God in their knowledge. So we see as people push God out, eventually they get turned over to something else. And we see the effects of that. So again, rather than try to address every societal issue, let's bring them the gospel and say, you need to get saved. And then some of those issues that they're, if you want to call it espousing or caught up in, they'll get delivered from that stuff. Uh, In verse 29, or uh, say from verses 29 on, it says, Here are some of the horrible, I call them horrible, and ungodly attitudes we see in society. I'm shocked by some of the things I see in the news or some of the things that people espouse. But again, the Bible says in these last days, in these days, when God turns people over to these things, we're going to see these issues or we're going to see these attitudes. Well, here's a couple more attitudes. or Here's some of the attitudes I wrote down. I, we see wickedness, maliciousness. We see murder, obviously, with abortion and other things. We see deceit, people not even telling the truth, probably stole at least some of the election, if not the whole thing. We see people that are proud. We see people that are inventors of evil things. Uh, I know I'm a school teacher, and I know there's a whole bunch of students that are disobedient to parents and disobedient to myself. And of course, many more like that. So, again, as we see these things happen I don't know about you but I know some believers and myself sometimes we see these and think oh man I, I just wish we'd go back to the good old days I, I just kind of want to throw up or I hope you know Biden or somebody falls off a train or something like that you know kind of stuff like that but I think what God's trying to show us these are just natural consequences of men without God okay so again when we see men without God or women if you would or youth we're going to see okay, all kind of whacked out things. But again, the answer is to try to take God to them. All right? Not just condemn them or kind of put them in a the corner, or put them in a little box. No, take God to them, okay, and try to draw them out of that mess. You know, the last program I talked a little bit about saving people from fire. I gave a couple instances where people that were really backslid and messed up. Myself and another guy happened to share with two different people. And they came back to the Lord and they were in some serious sin. But just sharing the word, in one case, just playing a song, it just drew somebody back. So again, my point is, rather than give up or throw our hands, let's take God into the arena of the world, okay? Kind of reintroduce Him, if you would, or show Him who He really is. And if you think about the coach that was just vindicated by the Supreme Court, he's a good example. He didn't come in and say, "I'm going to preach to everybody in the locker room. I'm going to preach to everybody on the football team." He said, "I'm going to pray at the end of the game, off by myself." And he did it intentionally. He was away from the people, away from the students. Now, some gravitated towards him, but those—that was, that was if you want to call it—that was their decision. And I might want to get into political into this, but he did something by taking God into society. All right. And we know that a lot of youth followed him, eventually kind of got caught up, and that might be part of the reason that if you want to call it, he had the legal troubles he did. But he took God into society. One other example I give is, you know, I, I, was, I, was, used, I was in a ministry where I would travel, okay, with, a, with a, an acting troupe. We would travel for seven years. We would go basically to youth and prisons and youth, if you want to call it, where, where they were incarcerated or regular prisons and, and jails and things like that and camps. And we would do um, a thing called the Alleluia Players, and we would do a drama ministry. Well, there was a job that kind of worked very well with that, so I took that job. But the job, I was a manager of a transportation company, and this transportation company had a Teamsters unit. So if it was organized by the Teamsters, you can know A is kind of rough, the language is kind of rough, the attitudes a lot of times are what I would call heartless. But you know, even though in that difficult situation, myself and with a couple other believers there, we saw people get saved. We saw people's lives and attitudes changed. Uh, we even saw a couple we call miraculous events. And that's because myself and these other believers went into a very difficult situation, okay? A very ungodly situation with ungodly language and da 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 da. But we kept walking with Christ and we kept showing God's love. In fact, a few people that mocked me actually got saved, and I didn't know this, but. They were saying, well, he's that Christian manager guy, and he's this and he's that, and I guess it would make a lot of fun of me behind my back. I thought, maybe I'm, maybe I'm glad I didn't hear it. But anyways, they both got saved. A couple that were really coming at me viciously from what I understand got saved. All right? Okay, well, I'm going to go back now to Romans 5, and I'm going to start and to read verses 12 through 14. Romans 5, 12, 14 reads therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death reigned through sin so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from adam to moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of adam who was a type of the one who was to come well people that are listening today i just encourage you and brothers and sisters Whoever you are, wherever you are, I want you to think about, I think, I think these verses contain what I call very, very powerful truths. And I want to kind of cover four or five of these, all right? First, it says, we are all sinners as descendants of Adam. So what happens is our sin nature, okay, that's controlled us or controls us until we get saved. The sin nature is the cause of our problems, not so much our individual sins or our shortcomings. Do we want to sin as a believer before? Of course not. Okay, But when we had a nature, we were kind of given a propensity or kind of driven that way. Now we don't have that nature any longer. And if I know that God's not sitting up there marking and counting every single, single little sin, okay, it sets me free from kind of getting into that. Ooh, I've got a number of my sins, I've got to remember my sins, or oh, I'm going to feel guilty about this, I'm going to feel ashamed about that, Oh, I hope nobody finds out about that. And you kind of become sin-focused, all right? God doesn't want that. In fact, God wants you to be focused on Him and focused on others. You're the one that's saved. You're the one that has a light inside of you. If your whole life is just focused on the, quote, sins you may or not be doing, you're not going to share the Lord with anybody. You're not going to have much love, joy, or peace. So you're not going to really win anybody or even encourage other believers because you're kind of caught up, if you want to call it that, in your own nature. Well, we don't have to be. guys. that I've cast your sins as far as the east from the west, and I'm not going to remember them anymore. So why should we be, if you want to call it, worried about our sins all the time? Now, if there's an area that's plaguing you, yeah, get some prayer, read up some scriptures, come against it try to get back in line, okay? But again, for the general believer, we get too often, we're caught up in, if I want to call it that, trying to count or mark sins or make sure I've, if you want to call it, confess them all or or da-da-da-da-da. And as I told believers in the past, you're not going to remember, okay? I I guarantee you, as a believer, you're not going to remember every single sin you have committed every day. Some of them are a commission and some of them are omission, okay? I think you could have done. Some of them, you're not even aware of. It took me years before God began to show me some areas of my life that were just messed up, okay? Getting ready for work. I would kind of hustle and rush, and I've got to do this. And finally one day he showed me, Gary, what you're doing is you're making a God if you want to call about and get ready for the work. Now, do you have to do it in a timely fashion? Yeah. But if you kind of make a God about it, or it's a have to, or the whole world's going to fall apart, well, that's not very, you're not walking in much love, joy, and peace, okay? And you kind of put a little bondage in your life. I'm going to kind of cease there on that. But again, remember, all your sins, past, present, and future, they've been forgiven and they've been cast away. The next point from these scriptures, we see that death reigned through sin. Death is not normal to the Christian life. Again, death is not normal to the Christian life. Adam and Eve were not created to die. They were going to have fellowship with God forever. Okay. Well, what happened? Of course, well, we know that sin entered. And of course, after sin, then we saw death. So for a Christian, we need to renounce, we need to rebuke, we need to reject illness, disease, and destructive consequences because they were defeated at the cross. They were dethroned, okay? They don't have victory in our lives. Do we, are we, some of us going to die? Yes, some of us are going to die. But again, we don't want that, that, if you want to call it that, to kind of reign supreme and just kind of, I'm just going to give up and I'm going to do this, I'm going to die. No, you're supposed to be serving God every day. And if one day you pass on, thank God, you're going to be with him. It's wonderful. But if not, rebuke that stuff that comes against you and try serving God every day versus trying to serve, if you want to call it the world order. Well, I'm 65 or I'm 75 and I'm not going to live much longer, da-da-da-da-da. Okay? Now, in my mind, does every church and every believer believe this and understand that? Nope. But in my mind, I I wish they would. I wish they would kind of, if you want to call it that. Focus a little bit more on the promises of God and what He promises. With long life, I will bless them, okay? So if I have long life, I'm going to keep doing every day. I can keep doing good things in life. And again, it's not just, okay, I'm going to play tennis every day or just kind of sit back and goof off. No, I'm going to serve God every day. Okay, let's look a little bit deeper about this part. Again, the world views death as natural, part of an earthly existence, but again, the world doesn't view things spiritually, okay? So we, I want to say we, believers in Christ and the body of Christ, we need to kind of remove the old thought and renew our mind. The Bible says that death is the last enemy and it will be defeated. Remember, Christ took all those enemies out and he defeated them, including death, all right? So we know that sin produces illness. And then, of course, from that illness or from if you want to call it mega sin, whatever you want to say, we eventually have death. Well, on the surface, that's a concern. But again, remember, we're believers and we live in God's kingdom. Okay, and let's see what God's word says about this stuff. If you look at Psalm 102, I'm sorry, 103 verses 2 and 3, it said, Bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, like I mentioned earlier, who heals all your diseases, not just some, but all your diseases, who redeems our life from the pit. So if we're caught in something, God wants to redeem that. He wants to bring us out of that pit and redeem our life. Okay. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. And then he satisfies us with good so that our youth are renewed like the eagles. Let's couple that with Psalm 107.20. It says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. So to me, these verses clearly indicate that God renews our strength, he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, and he delivers us from all our destruction. To me, and I'm going to ask you listening today, do these verses indicate he wants us or he's kind of hoping that we should be sick or saying that we should be sick? We should be beggarly. We should be in poor health. How about being crowned with steadfast love and mercy? Does that indicate repeated illness, repeated sickness, depression, kind of a bad life if you want to call it that? And how about the verse he wants to deliver from all our destruction, whatever the destructions in our life? He wants to deliver us from them. Okay? So if we couple these psalms okay, with the verses in Romans, we can see that all believers should again resist, rebuke, and reject illness, sickness, or destruction. Okay, Resist, reject, and rebuke any kind of illness and destruction that comes against us. These are not part of our inheritance. Okay, Another powerful point from these verses is that Christ reversed the consequence of Adam's sin. We now have new life we have hope, we are not forsaken, we can and should walk with God as Adam and Eve did before the fall. Because why? Because Christ reversed the consequences. What Adam brought, he reversed. And think about it, were Adam and Eve sick? Nope. Did they worry about provision? Nope. Uh, Did they walk and talk with God for daily fellowship and direction? Yeah, they did, okay, and obviously until the fall, or they ate the apple if you would. Now, for them, daily direction might have been a little bit different than us. They're not asking, should I go to the store or, you know, go down to this, you know, uh, maybe camel hint or something like that. But anyways, if we can, we should try to learn to hear his voice, okay, and kind of get his leading. And later I'll share a story about how God led me a different way or a specific way and how God blessed that way where I was thinking about doing something different. Okay? So if I begin to have, if you want to call it that, fellowship with God and walk in this newness, I can have love, joy, and peace, and I can also fellowship with God. Well, another point from verses 12-14 expresses what one man did that caused the downfall of humanity. However, we will soon see that it just took one man, Jesus Christ, to cause the downfall. of. I'm sorry. It took one man, Adam, to cause the downfall. It only took one man, Jesus Christ, to restore our place. Okay, So for those who seek and accept salvation, you can come out of that consequences. You can come away from that, if you want to call it your sin nature. You can come out of those sins that kind of easily beset you and bind you. And uh, these voices, I'm sorry, these verses point out that Adam had a leadership role. He was, if you want to call it the first, if you want to call it man, and we all kind of came from him, and of course Christ was the first spiritual man. But anyways, Adam had a leadership role, and he was a historical person. Now I don't know much about this, but apparently there's some teaching or thought that Adam was fictional, maybe mythological. I'm not really familiar with this, and to me there's a very false teaching, whatever they're trying to claim there. But we need to resist those okay and we're going to resist their consequences because the ultimate problem or the ultimate motive of that is if if they can prove adam wasn't real maybe they can prove christ wasn't real or maybe this was just if you want to call an example not hey this guy brought sin into every single person okay that came after him all right and christ had to die for every single sin that this, that was brought in so again, many people that kind of make up these stories, their, their ultimate goal is to minimize either what Jesus did or minimize the concept the concept of sin. If they can minimize sin, then of course we don't need a savior. All right? I'm going to kind of end these, these comments here today with a summary from a different commentary. It's called Romans Volume 1, The Freedom Letter. It was revised by Alan F. Johnson. And here's what Mr. Johnson said. Christ has tremendous historical significance. When Adam departed God, because he was a representative of the whole human race, his act was not something that concerned him alone. In his act of disobedience, sin and death became universal in the whole historical order. On the other hand, through Christ, the new representative of man, in the same, if you want to call it, all-inclusive way, and possibly even more so, life has become universal in the historical human order. DEATH IN THE BIBLE IS NOT not SIMPLY THE TERMINATION OF ALL BODILY FUNCTIONS. AS NOTED EARLIER, PHYSICAL DEATH ENSUES BECAUSE OF OUR sinfulness, AND ULTIMATELY NEGATES AND CONDEMNS HUMAN LIFE. IT IS DEATH INDEED BECAUSE MAN DIES AS HE LIVED, IN A STATE OF REBELLION AGAINST HIS CREATOR AND BASICALLY ALIENATED FROM HIS FELLOW MAN. Life on the other hand is not the mere continuation of bodily, if you want to call it bodily functions. Okay, I get up, I do this, da 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 da. No, instead life follows from the gift of God's grace, righteousness and acquittal, okay, through a relationship with Christ. It is life indeed because of the blessedness in this human life of being freed from the slain, I'm sorry, the slavery of sin and death. We can see that in Hebrews 2.15, because it leads on into the goal of eternal life and the same blessedness. So those are the comments from Mr. Johnson. And I want to encourage everybody today. I've lately kind of realized, Gary, you have to enjoy and give thanks and really want to walk in the new life you have. Sometimes I kind of get caught up in the world or caught up in what i got to do or caught up in this path or that path. And God was kind of showing me, Gary, just walk, if you want to call it that. And there's some things in my life that are not settled right now. Walk and just kind of enjoy your walk with me and enjoy this new life you have versus trying to figure everything out, if you want to call it the human side. Well, Johnson's comments are pretty much the same as I kind of predicated them or kind of the ones that I made that preceded those. However, I kind of really want to strongly uh, and clearly proclaim what's in these verses. We believers have not just been set free from something, we've been promoted to something. Think of the greatness of these verses and what they express. We had a kind of a horrible bound up life because of Adam, but now we have a great and glorious life because of what? Because of Christ, okay? We've not just been set free spiritually, not just been born again or ascended canceled, but we've been translated into God's kingdom, one of righteousness, peace, and joy. And so we wanna walk in that. Well, I'm going to run out of time here pretty quick today, so I'm going to have to share the stories next week. But I just want you to think about some of these truths that we mentioned today. I really believe they're very powerful. If you need to go back and listen to the message again and kind of start reading some of these scriptures, maybe some of the ones from Romans 1, but then get to Romans 5, 12 through 14, okay? And encourage yourself to walk in the love, the joy, and the peace so you can share your faith with others, and they're gonna see that radiance in your life anyways. Well God bless you today and thank you so much for listening. Again, I'll get to the stories and testimonies next week. We'll try to join me next week as we go into all the world hey before i go i want to mention the podcast you know you can hear it on anchor okay spotify uh you can hear it on itunes and again it's called going to all the world maybe hear this message again or maybe hear some of the earlier messages that i've given okay one more time god bless you and hope to see you next week as we go into all the world